Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 37 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos. That has officially put Game of Thrones in my top five shows after the season's finale. It was epic. I can't believe insert thing happened. I can't believe insert person did insert thing to insert person. It was crazy. I have a co-host with me, Andy Slant. Slant, what's good? Yeah, and don't blow that up because I'm still behind. Um, I do want to say to anybody who follows me on Twitter, at Andy Sports Kings, I want to apologize for my outburst draft night. No, what am I talking about? I don't want to apologize. If you don't like it, fight me. Give me a Twitter. I'll add you my information. Let's go. Yep. We we are most certainly going to get into your Twitter tirade because it, it has to be addressed <laughs> on the show. So we are going to get into our show this week. We're going to recap the draft, talk about some surprises. Andy wasn't uh, able to go last week with the draft show, so we want to get some of his thoughts on the draft in general. And then we were going to talk about the trade, uh, as Andy is referencing, him himself being an Orlando Magic fan. Obviously, he has some feelings about their activity during the, during draft night. And then we want to sort of get into a game of a sister turnover, which is a game we play on the show if you haven't listened before, with the pen, some of the pending free agents. So, But first, we are going to start with the outlet pass. It's the first pass in any fast break. Thus, it's the first pass in our show. Andy, the Kevin Durant sweepstakes has begun. Later in the show, we're going to talk about, about pending free agents who, may or, who we may or may not go after, but it's obviously oh. everybody will be interested in Kate. I know you're on record as saying he does not leave OKC. Have you changed your mind, or do you still feel that way? I mean, I, st- I think it was always, you know, me thinking that he was stupid to leave OKC, I, and I still feel that way. I just don't know how you want why – would, why would you want to break up something that works, uh, you know, first and foremost, which I think is crazy in today's league because there's so many things to do with chemistry. We, you know, we keep talking about Kevin Durant going to OKC, that's, or, I mean, going to Golden State. That's the popular one right now. But nothing's a given. I mean, we've seen this before. Remember the Eagles a few years ago in the NFL? They had the dream team going on there. They were like that version of the Miami Heat, and they stunk. They stunk up the field. It doesn't always work that way. But I, I do. I still do think he stays. Unless he wants to come play with Serge Ibaka, I know they, they like being teammates. Um, it, it's there. The money's here. But, yeah, yeah, I think he stays in OKC. I'm still riding that wagon. I would agree. I I mean, obviously the Golden State thing has to be interesting to him because they're such a good team already, and if they add him, it's like one of those things where you don't even know if it's going to be worse for them to like work in a guy like Kevin Durant into their system. But for, if, if for me, I always feel like you just sign Kevin Durant, you figure it out later. I mean, you got Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and you just figure out how that works after you get him in, in camp and everything. But I mean, I think Golden State would be intriguing. I'm not buying the Knicks thing personally. I don't, I don't, I don't buy the Knicks thing except if he wants to go east. Like if he has it in his mind, like if I'm not going to sign an OKC, I want to go to an Eastern Conference team. That way, I don't have to play one. I don't have to play OKC, and two, I don't have to play Orlando. Yeah, or, or Orlando is a destination. I mean, we got Serge, you got Serge Ibaka there, you know, old, old friends. So let's talk about taxes. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could go the Hassan Whiteside route and just say, listen, there's no state tax here, so, you, so you're a businessman, and then you can go that route. But I, I also think he stays in, in OKC. So let's move on to, to our show. We are going to get into the NBA draft. Give me your draft surprise, like something – and I know um, 
I, I can vouch for Andy. He said that Thon Maker was going to go in the lottery, and then it happened. He, he, he doesn't think any of you are going to believe that he said that before the draft happened, but it, it did. Um, so I don't think that was a surprise to you personally. Um, but give me your, your NBA draft surprise. You know, and real quick on the Thon Maker thing, the thing I always thought with Thon Maker is I didn't – this draft wasn't very good, and especially after a certain point. I mean, I told Frank the other day that I thought everybody, like, after 10 was just – you know, unappealing to me. So I feel like if you're going to reach, and somebody's always going to reach, they're going to reach for Thon Maker just because of the raw skills, and, and we saw it in Milwaukee. But my surprise was a guy that I personally, I know every other mock draft in the world said he pretty much went dead on, but I thought it was too late, and that's uh, Buddy Hill. I, I, I don't know why we waited. I had a third. I think Boston missed. I, I really, truly believe that it, it's, it was a huge miss by the Celtics. I feel like he's the right kind of player for this era that we've stepped into. I mean, he's a shooter. He's got that persona that's always worked in the NBA. I, I feel like so often it's overlooked. Uh, you know, we, we look at the raw things like, can the guy shoot? Is he athletic? Is he tall? But we never look at the, is this guy somebody who proves it on the court or on the field? And some of these guys do. I mean, another football reference, I don't know why I'm dropping so many, Tom Brady, the six-round pick, he just has that it factor. And I think we see some of these characteristics in a guy like Buddy. And, I mean, you know, being at the NBA is the way that it didn't – I was reported he made like 85 out of 100 threes working out for somebody, the Lakers or the Celtics or whatever. But I, I just – I feel like a lot of teams missed – and I think they're going to regret it. A lot of these teams took, like, these raw athletes, uh, Boston, you know, for one. And I just feel like that era, we're kind of moving away a little bit into this shooting thing. And, and I just feel like I, I don't know how somebody like Buddy Hill slipped through the cracks. Uh, I'm glad that Buddy Hill actually went to, to New Orleans because we got a great nickname, Buddy in the Brow. That was my favorite nickname that I saw come out of the draft. Uh, I think it sounds like a, a sitcom that NBC would just greenlight tomorrow. And, and you would just follow around Buddy buddy in the Brow, uh, Anthony Davis around. I agree. It's hard for me to agree with you in the sense with, with Jalen Brown because last week I sat on the show and said he was going to be kind of a steal, but I did not think he was going to go three. You know what I mean? That, that, that seems a little high for me because I do like, and I don't necessarily know if I like to fit in Boston. Um, I would have liked him actually in New Orleans. I think he would have been a, a good addition to New Orleans if, if he was at six. Or Denver, if he was at seven, I think that would have been a good fit for him. So, I mean, I, I was surprised that that buddy went a little lower. But what I'm going with is I was surprised about the fall of two particular players. Um, the tall dude from Kentucky, that's, that's what I call him. He's just a big dude. Um, because I thought that like Son Maker, like you're saying, you know, there wasn't a lot of talent. And this guy has so much, even though he underperformed at Kentucky, he has so much ability and, I mean, he went to a big school like Kentucky. I really thought somebody would take a shot on him before they did. Uh, I mean, I think he went 28 to, to the uh, – a uh, pick that was traded to the Sacramento Kings, so he's on the Sacramento Kings. I believe it was uh, Phoenix that made the trade. So that was one guy, uh, Skull, surprised how far he fell. And then Demetrius Jackson – Every mock draft I read – every mock draft I had read had Skull going to the Magic, and I kind of hated I it. I love but. it. I get you. 20, yeah. 28 was, I think, whatever that was, he was super – that was, like, way deep, way deeper than I thought he would end up falling. Yeah, I mean, like, if you go through it, you got guys like um, – let's see. I mean, obviously, one one guy that I know was uh, Chris LeVert, who the, who the Nets took at 20. 
Uh, I, you know, I thought that was a spot. I mean, I don't think they're looking for sort of, I mean, they should be looking maybe for more of a project guy, but, you know, they were looking maybe for more experience. Um, a guy like Malachi Richardson went to Charlotte at 22. Um, if we go, you know, further up, you got a guy like Henry Ellison went to the Pistons at 18. Like, I thought these were all spots that, that he could have went, and I was surprised that he just ended up falling that low. And the, the other guy was Demetrius Jackson for me because I really thought he was going to be a first-round pick. And, I mean, I thought he had first-round pick talent. He was a guy, you know, I'm a Syracuse, not really a Syracuse fan, but I'm from the Syracuse area, so I watch a lot of Syracuse basketball, and I kind of root for him because of the local team. And, you know, we see a lot of Notre Dame basketball, obviously. And, I mean, I saw Demetrius Jackson play, you know, a dozen times, even more than that, you know. And he really seemed like a first-round talent. I don't know what it was that he ended up not, going in the first round. I don't really know what the drawback was from him because I thought he he has a solid game. He's a reliable guy. He seems like a good teammate. So I'm not sure. And especially like we're saying, you know, it wasn't really a deep draft. I don't understand how he became a second round pick and it kind of saved the, the Celtics draft for me because I was not really much of a fan of their draft before that. And that's sort of one thing I want to get into. You know, I don't want to do a win or loser thing because I, I really don't, I don't like that kind of thing, but more specifically talk about the Celtics. I mean, they had all of these picks, and I know you said you weren't really a fan of Jalen Brown at three. You thought they should have took Buddy, but do you really think they had the worst draft? And is it ironic because they had the most assets? I, I do think they had the worst draft, and it's nothing against Jalen Brown. I just think that Jalen Brown, I think he can be a good player, but he's another one that you like attach the word project to. And he kind of gives me almost one of those Michael Kidd Gilchrist vibes. Not that they're the oh, same no. player, but no, I'm you know what I mean? Though? It's, it's like the, it's the, it's the great potential and you can see it. I mean, the kid can play and he gets the, uh, you know, he gets the approval of our, our buddy, uh, Ben Parker uh, covers a lot of Cal basketball, but I, I mean, right. I just don't, I just didn't think it was the pick for Boston in a sense. And I mean, not to say that he couldn't flourish eventually anywhere, but I felt like, I don't know. I I just worked myself into a scenario where I was like, Boston's going to pull. Everybody's projecting uh, buddy to go to like the Pelicans or the Timberwolves. And I'm like, Boston's just going to pull it because they know the kid can shoot. And, you know, so everything besides that kind of fell flat for me. So maybe I'm being unfair to Jalen Brown, but yeah, I think the Celtics struggled given what they had. Yeah. I would agree. I don't think they did much, you know, with their picks. Even a guy like, uh, you know, DeWante Murray, who I thought would have been a good fit, and, and I think obviously, you know, the rich get richer. And I think it's one of those, like, instant things where you just feel like, oh, my God, San Antonio got this guy. It, it's not even fair. It's not even, it's not even cool. Uh, you know, that would have been one of the good picks to, you know, to take with all of these picks that they have. And it just seems like they didn't really capitalize um, on assets or, you know, in my, in my mind, it, you know, if this is who you were going to select with all these picks, you should have traded them for, for somebody, you know, worth, worth your time, traded them for Jimmy Butler, traded them for Kevin Love or something, because what you got in return, I don't see any of them. And, and I always kind of laugh when guys are like, well, you, you never, you, you can't really trade them for Jimmy Butler. That's too much to trade. Like if it's, if you feel like it's a weak draft, like, Jimmy Butler is probably going to be better than every single player in this draft, maybe save Ben Simmons. And I'm not sure – I'm not even sure anybody in this draft is better than Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? So I I just don't get how you can say, oh, well, there's too many – we're trading too many picks. Like, you're getting a guy that you know is one of the top three shooting guards in this league and will be. I mean, Jimmy Butler's not old. So I I never really understand that terminology. 
Yeah, yeah, have all of them. If you want all six of our picks, sure. There's nobody in this draft that we even like. So you want to give us Jimmy Butler? And I, I, you know, I never really get get that. What did Chicago want is the thing. That, that's what I, I want to know what Chicago wanted because the, the way it's kind of stalled out, it sounded like that the, the Bulls wanted to, like, have possession of Larry Bird's ashes when he's dead and cremated, and they wanted to just, like, set him on the scores table at Bulls games. And, the, the, you know, the Bulls were like, the Bulls were like yeah, that's what, that's what we want. That's, that's the only way you're getting Jimmy Butler. So, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I think it was like the Bulls wanted wanted another team to resurrect Michael Jordan and trade them back to the Bulls so they can have another prime Michael Jordan, and that was the only way they were going to get rid of Jimmy Butler. And then they just traded Derrick Rose for, like, two Kit Kat bars. But so the other thing I want to get into um, about the draft before we move on is, in my mind, I really like the talent pool in the second round even a little more than the first round. I thought a lot of guys, like veteran guys, went to, to good fits for them. Um, two guys I wrote down was Malcolm Brogdon. Obviously, I had Demetrius Jackson, uh, Michael Abenege from Syracuse, uh, George Niang from Iowa State. I thought these guys all went to teams that were good fits for them, and I actually think that the second round may actually we, – we might get a lot not, – not steals because I don't know if any of, that, any of these guys will be great, but I think we might get a lot more solid players in the second round and then a few more busts than usual in the, in the first round, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm scared for the first round. I, I think there's a real possibility that there's only like a few guys that are even any good. <laughs> no, I hate to say that. I yeah. mean, I just, I don't feel like this is a draft where you necessarily find a lot of your, you know, big time contributors in your starting lineup. I mean, you might find, you, you might find some guys who can start that don't necessarily put up huge numbers, but, you know, maybe they're a defensive presence or you can find these guys that give you minutes off of the bench. But I, I just don't think there's a lot of top-end talent. Right, right. And that's not always a bad thing, but that's the kind of draft, again, where you trade your picks for, for Jimmy Butler. Got to fill holes. Like there's a, a bunch, right. If there's a bunch of seventh men in, in, this, in this draft, that's great. You know, if those guys stay in the league, then they, they contribute to championship teams, but they're not worth a guy like Jimmy Butler, I guess is what we're saying. So let's move on from the draft. Um, we need to talk about the trade. Uh, Serge Ibaka has been traded to the Orlando Magic. The OKC, if you haven't heard by now, OKC Thunder received Victor Oladipo or Sonny Eliasova and the 11th pick, which ended up being DeMontis Savonis. And Orlando receives Serge Ibaka. Now, when my man Andy first got wind of this, he went in a dark place. I think his first reaction to Frank Vogel, new coach, was... I think he wanted to fire him on the spot. Now that he's had a few days to cool off, he went on a tweeting binge. He went to, you know, he went to the corner. When it came out of the shadows, Andy, tell us about the Serge Ibaka trade. Yo, and for everyone listening out there, I always keep it 100. You can go check my Twitter. I didn't erase any of that. I'm not going to either. I mean, th- th- listen, sometimes, you know, you, you listen to somebody on a show maybe and you think, well, that person is, is very unbiased. Not me, man. Like I'm, I'm biased and I, I have, you know, my heart on my sleeve when it comes to sports is, is I'm sure a lot of you do. And I react the way I react and I'm, I'm fine with that. My thing is Frank, you know, I'm not a huge Serge Ibaka fan. I never have been. No, you're not. And it's not necessarily, it's not anything Serge does. I know I had a ton of slander for him, but it was more my anger at the, the trade itself. But you know, I think Serge obviously brings some nice things, and I don't think that there's probably anybody in the world that would question whether or not 
surge for Oladipo plus Sabonis. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. The Ursan Ilyasova thing I'm not real worried about anyways because I didn't feel like the Magic were going to resign him. Uh, you know, the, he had the before July 1st. It's a difference of like $7 million. Um, I think OKC is going to keep him. Not sure why. I think somebody said uh, he's an upgrade over Singler, and that was like the only response I heard as to why they would keep him. I'm like, okay, that's a great way to spend $7 million <laughs> because he's better than Singler. But, uh, you know, I, I think trying to be logical about this, I think obviously Serge is, is the better player than Victor Oladipo. Will that remain to be? Who knows? We're talking a few years. I think uh, Serge is 26. Victor Oladipo is 23. Oladipo still has that option coming this season after next as where Serge Ibaka has the free agency. Uh, there is going to be a difference now the way that this thing's restructured. Man, Serge Ibaka is going to make like $30 million. He's going to qualify for that seven to nine year, and it's going to be – <laughs> the following season, not next season. So the cap will have inflated more um, as where Oladipo will be like a $25 million player, which is still a ton. So I, I think, you know, as far as the money's going to go, everybody's eyes are going to pop out of their heads. You know, I, I've defended this trade because I, I do think if you're talking pure players, Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and Ilisovan and Sabonis or whatever they would have used that 11 pick on Scal. <laughs> I think they obviously win. They win the talent battle. Now the, does it make sense battle? I don't know, man, because Serge Ibaka, if that's a guy you're throwing at me as your centerpiece, I'm not impressed. Um, if they don't land somebody else in, in free agency, now I think they're pressured. The, the pressure's on to land a guy, and they're going to overspend on, like, Chandler Parsons or something probably. And they're going to be like, oh, he's from Florida, hometown kid. He's play 36 games next season and command a huge amount of money. So I, I just – I don't know. My biggest question is where would they go from here? And my OKC bars real quick, what are you thinking? I love Oladipo, one of my favorite players, and that's probably the reason I hated this trade so much is because I do, like I said, my heart is on my sleeve, Oladipo. I was, I was loving what the kid was doing. By the way, people think he had a bad season, but he did average about 20 points per game, five rebounds, and a four assists through the months of February and March. Kids, those are the months that win you games and send you to the playoffs. So I think OKC was smart there, but do you really tamper with what they had? And that's, that's my thing. I think it was a ballsy move. Frank, I'm uh, – I'm losing breath here. I got to breathe into a paper bag. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> so I, it seems like you, you sort of come around a little bit on, on the Serge Ibaka trade. Now this is one of the trades where I think I'd love it. I love it for OKC and I just like it for Orlando, if that makes sense. And I think Orlando is going to be the team that ends up quote unquote losing the trade. If you, you know, I mean, if, if we see Victor Oladipo in the finals and he's like, the six-man James Harden style, and he's scoring like 20 points a game, and they go on winning the championship, you know, people are going to be like, well, Orlando got fleet. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's a hard way to sort of grade the trade, if that makes sense. Because if you're Orlando, I think it came to the point, and I, and I think a lot of people had talked about this even before it happened, where you said, all right, you either got to trade Alfred Payton or you got to trade Victor Oladipo. Like, those guys can't play together. Now, if it were me, I would have traded Alfred Payton. That's, that's the direction I would have went personally. But I, I understand the logic towards trading one of them. And if you're going to be able to get Serge Ibaka back, I think it's something that you pull the trigger on. Now, for me, I thought they gave up too much. I know you, you don't like, you know, the – you said you didn't care about the 11th pick. I, I actually do. I mean, I think if you can get – especially on a younger team, you know, if you can get another young guy in there, I think you got to try and keep that asset or – 
it might be worth more. It almost seems like, you know, Victor Oladipo and Ursan Ilyasova for Serge Ibaka might be the kind of trade where OKC has to throw in a first, a future first-round pick. You know what I mean? Instead of Orlando throwing in a first-round pick. So that that's kind of the one thing that troubled me. But you're the guy that always brings up age on this show. And I think people forget Serge Ibaka is only 26 years old. This guy is not... You know, this guy is not past his prime or anything. It's not like he can't build with a young team. He can be a guy that builds with this Orlando team that that I think most people agree is one of the better younger teams in the league. I think Minnesota has sort of overtaken them as as the best young team in the league. But this is a team that has youth, that has talent, that is on the come up with a guy like Frank Vogel, a defensive-minded guy. You have your defensive building block in Serge Ibaka, and I think that's a huge thing for, for a team, especially with an identity crisis possibly. And I think Serge Ibaka sort of helps them become more of an identifiable defensive team. And also I think it opens up possibly trading Nick Vucevic, who I think has a lot of value, but maybe isn't, you know, maybe he's not, I mean, I don't know how old Nick Vucevic is offhand, but I'm not sure that he is the kind of guy that's going to build with this kind of identity for a team, and I think you can get good value for him back, and then you can sort of build your team from there. So that's how I feel about it. I don't think it's a I – I love it for OKC because I think Victor Oladipo is one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's going to do great things. And I think that they found out that their best lineup was without Serge Ibaka this, this postseason, and I think Adams and Cantor can certainly fill that void together. But I, I still do like it for the Magic. Well, I'm on record, too, of saying that Serge Ibaka was kind of the odd man out. I had said it for a while, you know, watch. I watch, And that's kind of the funny thing about the Oladipo being, you know, like one of my favorite players going to play with another one of my favorite players on, like, the team that I kind of dubbed my West Coast team this year because I watched so many Thunder games. Um, I, I don't know, man. I'm worried for OKC. As much as I like Oladipo, there's nothing saying that it works. And I think spacing yeah. with Westbrook and Oladipo is going to be tough. Tough, tough, tough. One thing about Vucevic is he's 25 years old, too. Um, but they're saying a lot of people think that Serge Ibaka move is, like, for Vucevic because it, it stops the paint from being clogged because Serge is just going to sit out there and shoot threes and stuff because that's what he does. But I will defend Serge. Here's my thing. Serge, I'm going to follow you on Twitter. If you're listening to the show, I'm going to go back and refollow you because I unfollowed you when the trade happened because I was real mad. I was being a baby. But I will say this. In, in this kind of league, we talk about the Steph Curry's, or I said Buddy Hill being very avail, uh, valuable. Serge Ibaka is super valuable for his position because he does two things. He blocks shots, even though his shot blocking is down. And people think because his shot blocking is down, they're like, oh, he's declining. No, you pointed out, Frank, he's 26. I don't think he's declining. I think his usage and his role in OKC is what declined. And I mean, we, he played about the same amount of minutes, but he wasn't being used the same way. They had him in different positions. So with that being said, I do think that stretch forward who can play defense is obviously appealing to any team, especially a team who just hired Frank Vogel as their coach. So I will accept this. But, Vic, we're going to miss you. Even though I bagged on you towards the beginning of the season all those times in fantasy, and I regret it, but it's all good. Yeah, uh, Victor Oladipo, the two-time winner, I believe, of the NLP podcast scrub, the fantasy scrub of the week. So, uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I love Victor Oladipo still, and I actually I like Serge as a as a center. I think he he could be a center, and that's why I was talking about training Vucevic. But let's move on. We got free agency coming. We're gonna play a quick game of assist or turnover. As we know, a pass can only end one of two ways in the box box score: positive as an assist, or negative as a turnover. 
Andy Flint, the first name I have for you in free agency, would you pursue these people? So the first name I have is Rajon Rondo. Um, turnover. I don't want him. Yeah, Can't shoot. I, yeah. He's got. He's kind of cancerous at times. I, I no. At his age, I don't want to risk it. I, I would agree. I, I think. Uh, I think he sort of had a contract year performance in, in Sacramento, and I'm not sure what's going to happen when he gets paid thirty million dollars or twenty million dollars or however much <laughs> people in the NBA make these days. I don't think it's a good idea. So I'm, I'm also going to. Yeah, I'm also going to go turnover. The next name, another guy. Hassan Whiteside, who I, I, I believe you saw this, Andy, said that he is a businessman that happens to play basketball and no state tax absolutely is a factor. Respect to you, Hassan Whiteside, for telling it how it is, but I'm going to turn over because I would never pay somebody that uh, who says that. No, I'm going to turn over too because uh, Whiteside is crazy. I guess if it's the right team, to me there are more wrong teams in the NBA than there are right teams by like 75%. For Hassan Whiteside, they talk about the Lakers. If he goes to the Lakers, there's no way he's not a negative impact on those young players. Just don't do it. You got to be. It's got to be the Spurs. The Spurs are bust, baby. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell may have to turn his phone off permanently if Hassan Whiteside is in town. The next name I have <laughs> is, is is a little intriguing. Um, Bismack Biombo, because with that huge postseason, I'm sure his stock and thus his price has skyrocketed. Um, would you go after Bismack Biombo knowing that there might be other competition on the market price-wise? You know what? I'm going to assist this one. With the way that the, the cap is blowing up and stuff, I don't know which tier Bismack falls into. It's probably the first tier, which is still a lot of money. But I think for what he provides, and this isn't the first time. He showed us this a, a couple years ago, a few years ago with the Bobcats. He had a, a good stretch where he was blocking shots and getting rebounds. And I think he can do that on a consistent basis. And if you can, there's places for him on the floor and there's playing time. Yeah, I am going to go turnover just because I think he's going to command starter money for a guy that's really more of an energy guy off the bench. And I, I just don't like paying that difference. But I like him as a player. I just don't like him at the price. So I'm going turnover. Next one, Harrison Barnes, who I think most people think is going to get the max and had an awful, let's just face it, an awful NBA Finals. Um, I'm not sure if that drove down his price at all. So did it change your feelings towards Harrison Barnes? Harrison Barnes, assist or turnover? No, I'm going assist because if I'm the one sitting across from the table, I mean, his Finals performance is a factor. It's going to be written down on a piece of paper, and it's going to be highlighted and chalked over, and I'm going to have my kids put glitter on it. And I'm going to show him – some video of what he was doing, and that was not making wide-open threes with the Splash Brothers on the court. So, yeah, it's, it's going to factor in, but I do like Harrison Barnes. I think he provides a lot of value, uh, specifically on the defensive end, and I think he knows how to shoot the ball. Obviously, you can't play with the Warriors and not know how to shoot the ball, so I, I do like what he brings. And, again, I'm getting him a little cheaper because I'm using that. Yeah, so I'm also going assist. I'm going to have a before and after, like, you know, those meth head pictures where it talks about, like, before meth, after meth. I'm going to have before NBA finals, after finals, and it's going to have the price difference of how much money he lost. That's what I'm going to use in the negotiations. But I am going assist. All right, the last two I have are both veterans. I'm kind of going to bulk them together. Dwight Howard and Pau Gasol, um, two veteran big men who can help a team but maybe pass their prime. Uh, assist or turnover on, on either one or both. I'm actually going to go assist on Dwight Howard and assist on Pau Gasol. I'm going assist on Dwight Howard because you said it best. I have Stockholm Syndrome still from when he played with the Magic, and I still feel like there's redemption in this guy's career. I don't know why, but I do. I think with the right team, like a Boston or something to that effect, 
he could be, you know, a, a great piece. Pau Gasol, he's just a gamer, man. He's still got it. His game doesn't age that much, so I, I feel like he's still got a place in the NBA. can still rebound the ball. You can still go to him in stretches, and he can score the basketball. So I, I think it's a no-brainer with Pau. Um, I am going assist on, on Dwight Howard as well. I actually kind of like him on the Knicks, possibly. I, I think that's a good fit if they don't get Joe Kim Noah, who I think is the best fit there. And I'm going a Magic Johnson assist on Pal Gasol, who I believe is the steal <laughs> of free agency. And I think uh, if a team, a contending team gets him, I think he's sort of gotten lost again in how much he can bring to a team and how much he can play. I love Pal Gasol this free agency, and I hope somebody that can contend gets him. All right. Let's move on to the end of our show. We've got our co-signs. These NBA uh, Facebook groups have co-signed us, so we co-sign them. You we, we rock with us. We rock with you. Sports Overtime, Real NBA Talk, and NBA News. Go like them on Facebook. Um, like Jay-Z once said, Andy Slim, we don't believe you. You need more people, and somebody always matches that mold. Who needed more people this week in the NBA? The entire NBA meme stream community needs to chill out with the Derrick Rose stuff. You guys need more people. Like, I see the, the Derrick Rose coming to New York, falling over, breaking his kneecap. You guys got to leave this guy alone. I mean, the New York media is not going to be nice, but damn. I am also going with a meme community. I'm going with the LeBron hater Facebook pages. Y'all sound like a deadbeat alcoholic dad trying to tell the judge your kid's mother has tattoos, speeding tickets. It's over. LeBron is great, and he always was. Get over it. Yo, LeBron hater. we don't believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is the end of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nate Robinson, L like Lindsey Hunter, P like Paul Silas. We will close as we always do with the great basketball philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. <laughs>